Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again this week and thank you for joining us. I trust you have been watching because we build a lot of stuff in series. And uh, what's really cool about uh, you know being able to do television is I'm able to do stuff that I cannot do on the road because I've got all the time I need to unpack these. And so they just, to me, are such powerful studies. I am enjoying it myself, studying it. I trust you're enjoying it. If you are, please take a moment to write us and let us know. Go, Just send me an email on info at lynnhiles.com and, and let us know you're watching and where you're watching from so that when we make decisions about renewing uh, we might know which is the best ones to renew on. And uh, uh, also, let me just say quickly, since I'm talking about that, uh, that you can go back and, and watch anything we've aired to date on our YouTube channel. And uh, you can also get the audio portions on our podcast and on an RSS feed for your Android device. The easiest way to do that is to go to our website, and up in the upper right-hand corner, there are icons where you can uh, go directly to that YouTube channel or directly to that, uh, to that uh, uh, icon. will take you directly to the podcast or the RSS feed where you can listen to it again and again or watch it again and again, pause it, do whatever you want as you study these. I think these are great study tools. People are using these in colleges. They're using them in ministry classes. They're using them on their midweek home groups. Right now, while we're, uh, you know, kind of in this pandemic, this is a good time to just binge watch these. They would really be a blessing to you. We're, we're teaching concerning the gates of Nehemiah. We've been on a series called The Roadmap to Reformation. And for the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about the 12 gates of Nehemiah. I showed you uh, over the last two weeks how this restoration under Nehemiah is a picture of what the New Covenant, New Jerusalem, New Covenant, people of God is about. And I compared it with Revelation 21, the city of God, the bride, the Lamb's wife, and the tabernacle of God. Nehemiah, Ezra, Haggai, Zechariah were all contemporaries working together in the rebuilding and the restoration of the temple of God. They are leaving Babylon and they're coming into the Jerusalem. In the book of Revelation, they are a destruction on Babylon, the great city, the harlot that weakened the nations, and they are immediately upon the heels of the destruction of that city, coming and says, Hallelujah, now has come salvation. The bride has made herself ready, and the city of God opens. It's a tale of two cities. What I showed you is in Galatians, the fourth chapter, that these two women are two covenants. Old Covenant Jerusalem, Old Covenant Israel is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and is Hagar is the Old Covenant. The Jerusalem which is above is our mother. That's the New Covenant community of faith. And you access this one by supernatural birth, just like Isaac. In Isaac shall your seed be called. And he said, listen, that this mount, this, this New Jerusalem, go read Galatians 4 again in the Amplified Bible, make it real clear. It says, the Jerusalem which is above is the mother of us all, and it is the messianic kingdom of Christ. We access this kingdom through the gates 
of the city. We're going to talk about some things about the gates in just a little while, but I'm just trying to give you enough without reviewing whole programs to show you the contrast here is they are leaving Babylon. God is bringing a restoration to the city. Revelation, they are leaving Babylon. There's a, there's a new city coming down from God out of heaven. And the old covenant, it was a priest after the order of Levi. In the new covenant, it's a priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. And he serves bread and wine, which is the new covenant meal, the communion meal. And he is the priest of the Most High God. And we, we showed you how that Melchizedek was the king of Salem, which is the king of Jerusalem, the city of peace. Jesus Christ is our Melchizedek. He's the priest after the order of Melchizedek. And you and I as under priest are uh, what Peter calls a chosen generation and a royal priesthood. And our mission is to serve bread and wine to the nations of the earth. Now, I'm not just talking about physical communion, although I'm not opposed to that. I'm just saying as a minister of the new covenant, what we serve is His finished work, bread and wine. This is my body. Jesus took the bread, broke it, blessed it. He said, this is my body. It was broken for you. He took the cup, said, this blood is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. So we serve that to the world, not a message of stay away. God doesn't love you. He's angry. We say the Spirit and the bride are saying come. I believe the Spirit's always been saying come. But I think sometimes our message is so repulsive that the bride hasn't been saying come. But Revelation chapter 21 says, but her gates will never be shut day or night. He says that you can enter into the city and you can enter in through the gates. And the gates are of one several pearl. And I showed you in prior segments where the pearl speaks of the pearl of great price. We enter the city of God through the salvation that Jesus exacted for us through His suffering, through His redemptive work, to give us access by grace into this faith. And so I want to pick back up today at uh, the valley gate, because we're going to talk about the valley gate for a couple of weeks. But uh, Nehemiah chapter 2, this is the first gate that Nehemiah comes to. Now again, remember, Nehemiah's name means the comforter. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit showing us the pathway to reformation or restoration. If you're headed out of the city, you're headed into trouble. You're headed into weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. You're in, in, headed into outer darkness. You're headed into uh, unrest. But if you're headed into the city of peace, you've turned around, you've repented, you're headed back into accessing this grace and this peace. And uh, so in Nehemiah 2, let me take a couple of texts. It says, And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well, and to the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Nehemiah is surveying the condition of the city before the Reformation. The roadmap to Reformation leads through the restoration of these gates. The valley gate, uh, the valley gate, it, uh, uh, it, it was at an angle. 
But the Valley Gate was the most likely on the southwestern side of the city between the Tower of the Ovens and the Dung Gate. I'll talk about the Dung Gate for a couple weeks in, 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 once we finish this one. It doesn't exist in modern-day uh, Jerusalem, the, uh, but it was through the Valley Gate that Nehemiah left the city to inspect the wall that had been broken down and the gates which were burned with fire. It is interesting to note the names of the people who built this wall and what their names mean. And what their names mean, the name of the man who repaired the valley gate, along with those living in Zenoa, were uh, ha- um, Hanun, H-A-N-U-N, and their names mean rejected, stinking, and then the other ones mean gracious and merciful. And I talked about in order to enter into this city of God, into the righteousness, the peace, and the joy, through the gate of His suffering, a pearl, and enter into the city. I hope you're understanding what I'm saying. You're going to have to lose some stinking thinking. you got to get rid of some old covenant mentalities especially. Because when you repent, see repentance doesn't just mean you need to get saved, it means you change the way you think. Romans 12 tells us we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And he says in Romans 12, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Conformed to this world, even in that context, is not talking about going to the movies or what you call being worldly. He's talking about the message of that day that they were preaching was a message of conformity to the law of Moses. But we're not changed by conforming. We are changed from the inside out by transformation, by the renewing of our minds. I believe what religion has done as conform us. See, you can get behavior modifications by preaching law and legalism, but you're not going to change hearts. You're going to change behavior. But if you'll change hearts, the behavior will change automatically because conform means to take something outside, superimpose it, and force it into a conformity. Transformation is the Greek word metamorphosis, and it's talking about a change that comes from the inside out And I believe that comes by the renewing of our minds, by getting rid of our stinking thinking, which is what this name means, and shifting our thinking towards grace and mercy, which is what the the next name means. Gracious and merciful. So we're moving from stinking thinking to a message of grace and mercy. It's sometimes difficult to get people to think in terms of new covenant. I was raised in classical Pentecost under real legalistic thinking, and I still at times battle with condemnation, and, and I still battle with performance, and thinking I'm not enough, and am I adequate? Is God pleased with me? Is He angry? Or the moment something goes bad, thinking it's the judgment of God. Let me tell you something, that's the stinking thinking that will rob you of your peace. I'm going to remain in the city of God. I refuse to come out of Jerusalem, Salem, the city of peace, where Melchizedek, the priest, is serving me bread and wine, his finished work. My mind is stayed on him, and I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I'm going to let this mind be in me, which was also in Christ Jesus. The mind of Christ will bring you into peace and joy and righteousness and a revelation of that. This valley gate led into the valleys. There are several valleys around Jerusalem. The Kidron Valley, the Tyropian Valley, the Hittim Valley, 
The Kidron Valley is dotted with thousands of burial sites and is known as the Valley of the Shadow of Death. There's the Valley of the Shadow of Death. The Tauropian Valley, called the Valley of the Cheesemakers, separates Mount Moriah with the Temple Mount from Mount Zion, also known as the City of David. The Hinnom Valley is on the south and west of Jerusalem in Hebrew. The Hinnom, uh, in, the, in the Hebrew, the Hinnom is the word we translate in the New Testament for Gehenna, where we get our Greek word for hell. Scripture, see, we don't understand that hell that's translated in several places. There's a lot of different Greek words for hell here. We're not going to do a study on hell right now, except to say that this word is not always talking about the afterlife. It's talking about a real world place right outside of Jerusalem where the bodies of people were thrown, where the potter's field was at, where the broken vessels and all kinds of stuff was at. But in typology, I am saying that we can move from the place of brokenness. We can move from the place of weeping and wailing. We can move from the place of outer darkness. We can move from the place of being put on the trash heap. That's where the trash heap was at. And that's where the garbage was burned, in the tower of the furnace. And, and it was burnt in the trash was burnt there. We can move from all of the junk and garbage that's in our life and move out of that right now into the city of God. So the first gate that was inspected was the valley gate. In Isaiah chapter 40, uh, there's a scripture in Isaiah chapter number 40 uh, that, sa that says, uh, it, it talks about Isaiah, let me, let me just, let me, let me go there, Isaiah 40 verse 3 through 5. Let me, let me pull that up real quick, uh, if I can get it quickly for you. Isaiah 40 verses 3 through 5. I love these devices, but sometimes they take a minute to get to there. Uh, Isaiah 40 says, one through, one through five, says, Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak. I am excited to announce the release of my newest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. Every time he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought that the bread that fell in the wilderness was the true bread, but Jesus says to them, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead, but I am the true bread. They thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. As you read the pages of this book, you will truly discover the faith that replaces fear and that believing you will have life through His name. You will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. You will rediscover that He is the Great I Am. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today. Isaiah 40 said, one through, one through five, said, Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak to comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley, note that every valley, every valley shall be exalted in every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places made smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together 
for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The voice said, cry, and he said, cry, what shall I cry? Now let me tell you that this is a scripture that's talking about John the Baptist, first of all. John the Baptist was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, and he talked about every valley shall be exalted. Now remember again, this is the first gate of Reformation. And so when I'm talking about shifting from stinking thinking, I'm talking about moving your mindset from an old covenant paradigm to a new covenant. Now, I, this book here, and I, I, I'd have thought about it, this book called From Law to Grace, you can get this by going on our website or Amazon, is a book that's really written about that John the Baptist transition. Because what I show is that under the old covenant, you were governed by rules on rocks, but John the Baptist came, and this is his message, repent, change the way you think, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, and he was about to introduce the king and his kingdom. In other words, John the Baptist was probably one of the most transitional guys in history, because he's announcing, I believe, the beginning of a reformation and a beginning of moving from an old covenant to a new covenant. Because under the old covenant, you're governed by rules on rocks. But when John the Baptist said, repent, the kingdom's at hand, he's talking about another form of government coming on the scene to govern you. And he goes on to say in Matthew 3, there's one coming after me whose shoes I'm not worthy to stoop down and unloose. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, he'll thoroughly purge his floor. Now, what I want you to see here is he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And I have shared this, but I think it's worth sharing over and over again. Under the Old Covenant, when they came out of Egypt under Moses, they were delivered by the blood of a spotless lamb in Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea, which just speaks to me. Less. In Egypt, they're delivered by the blood. At the Red Sea, they're delivered by water. They were baptized into the sea. So that's blood-bought water baptism, but exactly 50 days after they leave Egypt, they're at the foot of Mount Sinai, and a cloud comes down on the mountain, and God gives them the law. That's exactly 50 days after the lamb was slain, and the blood was put on the doorpost, exactly 50 days. 50 days after that, a cloud comes down, and God gives them the law. The moment God gives them the law, 3,000 people drop dead. Now fast forward to the new covenant. Jesus is the real Lamb of God who the night before His decease says, this is my blood and this is my body, it's broken for you. And He inaugurates the new covenant and says, I won't drink wine until I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. In Acts chapter 2, new wine was poured out and they toasted the coming of the kingdom. And if you don't know this, Acts chapter 2 says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Pentecost was exactly 50 days after the Passover. So under Moses, 50 days after the Passover, lamb was killed. They're at the foot of Mount Sinai and to get laws and 3,000 people dropped dead. In the New Testament, in Acts chapter 2, uh, 50 days after Jesus, who is the real lamb of God, is slain, they're in an upper room and another cloud comes. This time God fills them with the Holy Ghost and 3,000 are added to the church. Why is that? Because under the Old Covenant the letter kills, in the New Covenant the Spirit gives life. He's moving them to shift their paradigm 
that the old covenant was governed by rules on rocks. In the new covenant, our lives are governed by the Holy Ghost, so that the Holy Ghost is to the new covenant what the law was to the old covenant. And see, people are afraid that if you preach the new covenant and you preach grace, that you're going to give people a license to sin. Well, what you're giving them is the power not to, because we, what they didn't have under the old covenant was the Spirit. But in the new covenant, God gives us the Holy Ghost. And in the Holy Ghost, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy located in the Holy Ghost. And remember, we're teaching that Revelation 21, the city of God is Jerusalem. It is the city of peace, with Melchizedek. Melchizedek being the king of righteousness and the king of Salem, which is the king of peace. That's righteousness, that's peace. But once you get inside the city, there's a river, and you will receive joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So this shift is you are coming out of the valley of, uh, uh, and, and every valley shall be exalted, every mountain shall be brought low, the crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places will be made smooth, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. John said, repent the kingdoms at hand. There's a highway in the desert. It is the fulfillment of this prophetic word that he's talking about. So the beginning of our reformation has to be a shift toward, we have to leave Babylon, Old Covenant, we have to leave slavery, Old Covenant. We have to leave the ruins of, of living in a Babylonian country. And we have to shift towards the king and his kingdom. The very first step is to enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus tells Nicodemus, Nick, your natural genealogy is not enough. If you want to see the kingdom of God, and if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again. There's a new birth that brings you into the city of God. So the first step is through new birth. If you're not born again today, all you've got to do is receive the forgiveness of sin, receive His righteousness, receive His free gift of grace, receive His mercy, and just simply uh, just say, Lord, I yield my life to you, and I receive what you did for me, and you will enter into the gate and begin to access the righteousness, the peace, and the joy. A new governor will begin to take place in your life. If you've been under religion and you've been in the bondage of Babylonian captivity, I'm telling you the first step to reformation and restoration is you must come through this valley that points you back to the king and back to his kingdom. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when you do that, it will begin to lead you out of the valley of Baca, out of the valley of weeping, that was one of the valleys that's in the scriptures. He said, blessed is he when passing through the valley of Baca, he makes it a well. And so I believe that when you're walking through the weeping sometimes, that that's the place where you're broken. Once again, even this valley of Hinnom talks about a place of, of broken pottery and broken lives and shattered dreams. But it's the place of weeping. But when you're passing through, the key word is you're passing through the valley of the shadow, or you're pa you can make it a well. Also, this, this gate led to the valley of uh, the shadow of death, or, or the valley that was also called the valley of the shadow of death. The valley, the Kidron Valley, was called the valley of the shadow of death because it had a lot of tombs there. Psalm 23, again, is a psalm that points us again to the New Covenant. For the Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He leads me, listen, listen, through the valley of the shadow of death, and I will fear no evil. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil till my cup runs over. The key word here in Psalm 23 is through. He leads me through the valley of the shadow of death where I don't fear any evil. And he does that, number one, by being my pastor, my shepherd, bringing me into green pastures, and he also prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What's on that table? See, there's something to feed on that can lead you out of the valley of the shadow of death. And what's on this table is the bread and the wine that Melchizedek serves. That's what's on the table. When you're going through something, it's time to eat. I, I, I preached a message back some time ago. The Lord said to me, you ate your way into this problem. You can eat your way out of it. I said, what are you saying, Lord? He said, you have become what you are because of what you feed on. Adam ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It all started with an eating disorder in Eden's mystic garden. But the moment God wanted to deliver the children of Israel from, from bondage of Egypt, He said, get some lamb on the table and eat it in the night, roast with fire. And you get enough lamb in your belly and you'll put your shoes on your feet and say, I can't live in this bondage any longer. The night before Jesus was crucified, as he sat at the table, I said, what are you going to do the last night before you're alive on the planet? He said, let's eat. We're going to feed on something. We're going to feed on the bread and the wine. Well, what happens when you get a bad report from the doctor? You need to come to the table of the Lord and begin to feed on the finished work of Jesus Christ. What happens when you're going through a time of depression and your mind is reeling and fear is full? What, what should you do in the midst? of a pandemic, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. Come to the table. There's one already prepared for you right in the presence of your enemies, and it's what you feed on. The worst thing you could do when you get a bad diagnosis from the doctor is go to the web and start to find out what my next symptom is going to be. Your heart will be so gripped with fear you won't even know what to do. You need to turn to the Word of God. You need to turn to faith. You need to find somebody that's serving bread and wine and feed from the communion table. One of the first things I did in the beginning of this pandemic was I went live on Facebook and did a live Facebook communion service where we got reports from all over the world of people who are getting healed and delivered by feeding on that table that's in the valley of the shadow of death. He leads me through the valley of the shadow of death where I will fear no evil, where He anoints my head with oil until my cup runs completely over. I'm telling you that we need to be filled uh, until every valley is made flat and, 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 and a highway is in the desert. A walk in God where we can walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. That's what John the Baptist preached as he introduced Jesus, is we are beginning our reformation and we're entering from the valley through the gate into the kingdom of God. We are turning from Babylon to the king. Behold, your king comes to you riding upon a colt in the foal of an ass. It's pointing you to the kingdom and the government of Holy Spirit. We're out of time again. 
Thank you for joining us this week on the program. Trust you'll tune in next week again. Uh, let me say quickly that if you can help us with this television cost and ministry, please go to our website and give via credit card or PayPal. Uh, there's a way you can do it there. You can call the number on the screen. Someone will take your call or they will call you back or you can send a check or money order to the address that will come up on the screen. We do need your help. So please uh, sow a generous seed today. God bless you. I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.